Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Pilgrims Podcast. My name's Archie and joining me today is Mark Lovell, Tom Kirk and Chris Allen. Okay, we're back with a bang. Three points, three goals, a Bali Mumble Weldy. Or was it that? Um, when it happened right in front of my eyes, I thought, wow. Um, great solo goal. Um, really did change the momentum of the game. It had shifted a very, a very slightly just before that, but wow, did it change it. Um, that said, I have watched it back again, um, taking the emotion that probably biased my judgment in the moment. And a couple of the Huddersfield players, you know, the decision-making was poor and, and none of them helped each other out. I'm genuinely undecided. I'm genuinely undecided. I don't know what the others think. Well, it's... It's a brilliant goal. I mean, you've got to have the wits about you to take the initiative. The game was going nowhere for us at that stage of the game. It could have gone either way, and he grabbed the game by the balls, and he he turned the tide. So, and that's what you, you know, we we've got this player on our hands now, and he can play anywhere. I'm trying to agree with you. I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at it and thinking it's a great goal spoilt by bad defending from the other side. So it's sort of affecting my enjoyment. I'm just glad that we've listened to the feedback that people so kindly provided on our podcast going into week two. Someone runs from the halfway line, scores like, well, was that any good really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just can't be happy. No matter what happens, million-pound player scores a great goal. Like, hang on, I'm not sure. I don't know. I was watching them, and there was a a bit of shit in there as well. Come on, let's not be too happy. No, I mean, I watched it, and I ran around my mate's house like an absolute nutter, and I thought it was Maradona-esque. Having watched it back, he did only beat I think one or two people. The defending, to be honest, that was a theme throughout the game. The defending was shocking. Awesome. It was a real uh, first game of the season kind of vibe to it. There was some excellence and there was some real rustiness on show. Uh, I think there's a bit of credit. To pick up on what Mark said, though, I know we've all got different opinions about our leader of the uh, England setup. When you watch England, something like that happens. You can see them thinking, I can't run into that space because I've got to pass it out to the left. So there's, a, there's I think if you go back to last season as well, like there's a real plan. But something opens up, keep going. So I think there's something hopeful in that as well. I think you're right, mate. I think there's some deliberate risk-taking, letting the shackles off. That's a good example uh, with England. I think Barley, you know, he's making the point of he's confident where we are. And same with Whitaker. goes back to Swans. He doesn't really do anything. Is that him? Is that the instructions he's given? Is that the team? Is that the general feeling and confidence? Is it the crowd? A lot of factors, isn't it? But something possessed Barley to run it. But yeah, the defending was rubbish all game, Archie. But nobody else attempted that. Um, yeah, no, you're quite right. And it's something he did last season. He turned the Exeter game around on, on the Monday night with a similar, well, in terms of spectacularness, so to say, you know, is what he does. And it's maybe what the money gets you, you know. And, and Warnock referred to it in an interview. That's what money buys you, those kind of moments. Because the game was tailing. It was, we weren't quite sure where it was going. I think our good players look better than their good players. Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the game felt a little bit League One actually, compared to yeah. we had some good Championship level games. But in the moments that mattered, 
high quality players did high quality stuff. I think that on watching it again, the, the, the ball through for the third goal is is, that is better the more you watch it. Like yeah, on the on the day, that, you know, just didn't look like much. But when you watch that back, I'd switch for Whitaker as my man of the match. Actually, well, should we rewind it? Should we go all the way back to an hour before kickoff? And Shuri, he's made a call, and he's dropped Burton. Maybe one of his most ruthless decisions as manager so far, I would argue. What are our thoughts on that? Because, I mean, essentially, barring an injury nightmare, Burton's... I can't see Burton having a much more game time in an Argyle shirt. And he's dropped him. He'll get he'll get 90 minutes on Tuesday. Um, I, I don't know. Was he dropped? Is that fair on the first game of the season? Because he started last... Hazard's not come to sit on the bench to Burton, is he? He might have a sort of a place to fight with Michael Cooper. But um, I wasn't surprised by it at all. Um, I thought he was, he looked very nervous, you know, um, I'm surrounded myself by the home park faithful and, um, you know, they make a lot of lazy assessments sometimes. I think that's a polite way of putting it. And, and, and he didn't help that by uh, certainly two very loose passes um, to a pop. But he did what he, he, he did. He did what Burton was criticised for not doing last season, which was coming for a ball, being demanding. I'm aware of the two incidents you mean, and you make a great point, and they could have been calamitous, and luckily they weren't. But he, he, was, he was a presence, wasn't he? He was coming for balls, which is predominantly what people were saying Burton wasn't doing. I thought about it. Look, he, he did a couple of... Uh, he, he did well with his hands, Hazard, um, and, uh, including one, obviously, where he, made the, he gave the chance to the other starting to know he was kind of at fault for that. I'm not sure about praising that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. He's chance, he's he's taking chances. Chewie's going to come out and say he's there to take risks. He's there to play with the ball with his feet. Occasionally he's going to give the ball away. I get that. But, um, you know, Chris said about Morgan being the man of the match. But Barley Mumble was given man of the match largely because of his goal contribution. It's still, you know, football fans base their assessments on very simple things, things that change games. And it has a change, nearly changed the game a couple of times yesterday for all the wrong reasons. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to score him a five out of ten, which I'm minded to do, it might be a six. It would be because you know he very nearly put himself in that position, and it would have been a it would have a horrible day. It would have been a, what we're saying. Actually, if somebody scored from one of those, we'd be sat here talking. And about they should have the done. They should have. They should have done. Actually, they really should have. Done. It, it looked. It looked I nervy. Mean, it looked nervy. I would. I, I. It's not going to be sustainable to make that number of errors uh, throughout. Um, but you know, it's one game. It's one game. Yeah, he seemed pretty nervous, uh, like Tom said. I've watched a few of the his moments back, and he seems very left-footed, very left-footed. And I think it's a case of the defenders making sure they actually play it back to him on, on his str- strongest foot. You know, it's going to take time for all those automatic decisions to be made. He's understandably going to be nervous on his home debut. He made a great save at 3-1, which is easily uh, forgotten about. Not many keepers would have made that save. Uh, he, he has a good presence in the box. He came for balls. I like it. Um, yeah, it, it worked out well. We won the we won the game 3-1. It wasn't a perfect debut, but it's quickly forgotten. I think he, I think we're going to be okay with him and go. Um, I asked a question. Sorry, Archie, I asked a question only because I've been there. How how um how did it come across the the wind? How did the wind come across um, not being in the stadium? I was speaking to my parents about this this morning, which is often insightful. Um, you could you could tell 
you could tell as it increased, you could tell the speed the clouds were going across the field. I got a bit obsessed in the second half, like watching clouds overtake players. A hell of I mean, a game, a hell of a game. A real nail doctor. You, you, you could notice it. I mean, he kicked one that went back to himself, right? There was one that kind of, yeah, it was yeah, exceptional yeah. circumstance. Did a sort of cork through in the air, mate, if I'm being honest. I mean, it was odd. It was odd. And it wasn't but really in any one particular direction, you know, so it wasn't favouring anybody. Yeah. So on that basis, let's see how the distribution goes, because it did look a little shaky. Um, it helps that he's bigger than two goals. Like, I quite like that. I quite like having a goalkeeper that's huge. Um, and if, if you've sort of watched any of the other games that have been on, I think that'll really matter. We're, we're quite small. Um, I think we'll look good on the ground, but I do think having a goalkeeper like that, if you look at the size of some of the other teams that are playing, like looking at Leicester today, they've got two or three that are small, but they are big. And I think a big goalkeeper helps confidence with the defence in that environment. Uh, moving it back to Shuey's decision, I mean, it is ruthless. There's no other way you can, in my mind, you can look at it. Because Burton came in and did a job and essentially he's had a chat with him over the summer, presumably and said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm bringing in someone for a bit of money from Celtic, and you're now third choice, unless, you know, something terrible happens. I mean, I don't, I, there's no room for sentiment in my mind, you know, I completely back Shui for what he's done. But it's a moment for me, there's a moment in his Argyle journey as manager. Thoughts on that? He's going to be, he's going to be extremely disappointed, Callum Burton. Absolutely. He's going to be gutted because he, he filled in for Michael, Michael Cooper with a plum, and uh, I think we we'll all remember how we felt when Cooper got injured, and we thought we were knackered, really, didn't we? And then Scar got injured, um, but he did, did really well, and he was solid. A lot of clean sheets, great clean sheet record, and he. But Shuey would have taken advice from the goalkeeper trainer Darren you know, and seeing the performances in training, how they can command, you know, there's a lot more to goalkeeping than than kicking and saving shots. It's how about organising a defence, commanding a defence, you know, and you have to pick the best goalkeeper. You can't pick on sentiment alone. You know, that's no good. So, yeah, it's it's tough. It must be, he must be gutted, but, you know, he'll play on Tuesday. Hopefully he'll get a warm reception against Orient, and we'll have another win with Burton in goal. I'm with Mark. We, we, I'm not playing with our championship stakes. It's on sentiments. You know, Callum did well when he came in. Um, I, I'd like to point the point, but he did do well last season in a couple of games. Accrington springs to mind. He was very influential in his winning points. I thought the defence was better. The defence got better last season toward the ends when Burton was in goal. Um, Michael Cooper... Um, made a lot of saves that won us points because we conceded a lot of uh, chances early on. Um, so I think whilst the goalkeeping quality turned down, Callum got better. Don't get me wrong, on individual level he got better, but the defence was getting better in front of him as well. Um, I, I I wasn't surprised to see Hazard. I, I didn't think we were going to bring Hazard in for money to put him on the bench or be third choice. He's a, he would you would be effectively making third choice by not playing him yesterday. Um, yeah. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised at all. Just uh, Chris, Lucy on the wind. I wasn't. It wasn't a picnic from Hazard. I just thought the game was. I wonder if sort of the people who look at the core data and all the boring stuff that I don't really want to go into, but the uh, it, it was an odd uh, weekend for football. I saw some big scores, some big uh, lots of goals going in other games. 
um, it just seemed to affect everything. People's passes were off. Um, you know, it was hard to read. We attempted some kind of long game for for a little bit, and then kind of stuttered, letting Huddersfield take um, momentum to the extent momentum's a thing, um, while we worked out what we were going to do. Um, so it was a weird way. First game of the season where you know you what what would normally affect that you know uncertainty about the opposition fitness, um, and then you throw that in there. It was a real mixing pot of I don't know, um, but it made for some really good uh, some really good jeopardy, which I enjoyed. Well, and I think it affected them more than us in a weird way because they looked better when they were playing non Warnock football. Because when they tried to play Warnock football, it's either too too long or too short. So there was a weird phase in the middle. I think when they looked stronger than us when actually they looked more like the Argyle that I'd normally watch. And I think when they did try, especially in that second half towards, you know, once they got a goal down, you realised how hard it was to stop the ball. Like anything over the top or anything out to the wings was just flying, wasn't it? So I think we probably benefited actually, given our style, impacted less than they were. I liked your point, mate, about um, our players are better than their players. I've resigned myself that we're going to have a few games this season. We haven't had this for a while, but we're going to have a few games this season where we play really well. We dominate games, maybe, and don't get the results we deserve. And another team comes down who everybody says are brilliant, don't play very well, and shit out a winner because of a wonderful piece of skill. That how That's how I saw us going this season. The games we're going to lose, I'm going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to lose some games that we play well and deserve not to lose and be outdone just by sheer quality on the other side. It was really interesting to see the first opposition we come up against. It felt the other way around. It felt like we had the players to do that to them. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a pretty good point. I, I completely agree. We'll come, maybe, possibly we can touch on that in a bit more detail in a bit. There's one thing I'd like, one more pre-match thing I'd like to um, talk about, and that's again the team selection for the formation. Playing four at the back, we've seen it through pre-season, and now he's gone with it in the first game. Uh, Tom, again, the questions are all coming to you today, mate. As you were, you were, you were there. I'll be interested to know how it was. What, did it feel different? Obviously, it looked different. How was it in the stadium? Um, it's interesting you say, because I've, I've always had the opinion, if you're in the stadium, you see more, you obviously see the stuff off camera, so you've got a better view. But it's interesting, I, I said earlier about the Mumba goal, is you get carried away in some of the really exciting bits and, and don't really pay attention. Um, really more interested in the superficial. Um, it was, uh, it, structurally, it didn't look a problem. Again, um you have to give some context to the, we played one game and it was odd conditions and I haven't made my mind up on the quality of the opposition. They got through a few times, but I'm not sure I can pin that on, on, on there being four, a defensive four rather than three or five or whatever you want to call it. But obviously the position that you line up determines how the people in front of you are going to be and the gaps. I thought the gaps at the start largely came from us being a bit stretched um, and I couldn't work out what we were doing in midfield. Um, I need someone who who knows a lot more about football to explain to me about Callum Wright and centre midfield. That's not a dig at his personal performance, although it was fine, but um, we had this strange thing where Houghton was clearly further back. Callum was tr- clearly trying to get forward and Randall was in the middle. So we, we kind of had our three centre midfielders in, the, in three different thirds. Um, and in that point from I'd say minute what 25 30 uh up to maybe minute 60 they've given through that quite a bit um 
and, and and it definitely changed. I didn't spot what changed it around minute 60 when we were going the other direction, but we sort of tightened up and we controlled that middle third. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm not sure um, what the other sort of players in the team have to do to compensate for that for presumably something. Um, but the four of themselves held a held a held a good line, um, so um, I didn't. It didn't look like that was an issue. Um, maybe one less person to pa- maybe one less person for Hazard to pass through, but that's real guesswork. Was there any inverted fallbackism? Did you? No, I, no, I wouldn't say so. Um, I didn't go to the Swindon game, but my my the feedback was that that is what we tried there. Um, the the fullbacks were great. Um, really, um, you know, I say that with Jojo has his limitations and he, he let, um, you know, their best player, I think it's Karoma, number 10. Um, he either let in or Karoma got the better of him a few times early on. Um, uh, so whether I mark him down for that or not, I'd, but obviously uh, KKH on the other side was superb. I think that's probably his wrong side, but how he looked up with Mumba, um, I'd be surprised if we don't see him there again more often. Yeah, that's really exciting to see those two link up and how it all how it progress. I mean, he's probably one of our less glamorous signings. Baloney, not a million pound player, but he really impressed me yesterday massively. I thought, I think, I think Chris, you were posting something in our, in our, in our wee group chat. You were a little clip went viral of him. It was impressive. Well, this morning. well yeah, when I watch remotely, unlike Tom at the game, I only notice kind of little interesting or spectacular things. I still don't know what an inverted fullback is. So, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll retain my ignorance. But he looked quick. He looked solid. He, like, just, he, just that kind of I'm less educated around tactics, but if I'm just letting it wash over me, that guy can play the game. And he's got a big future in front of him. There's something in there. And of course, none of us knew that Pleggy was suspended. So, you know, that was the first surprise, really, that, you know, no one knew. No one did any research, um, apart from Shuey, of course. And so that was the the back four taken care of with Scar and, and Gibson. So interesting. I thought, to see. Um, I thought Scar did okay. Um, probably the opposition suited him. He didn't do a nobody did a lot wrong. Um, the um, we, we made a little bit of a mess of receiving um, chances. I, I do hear Chris and saying that we've won a game. We're back in the championship. We've won. Fantastic. But um, uh, there was a spell. I, I think they had 15 shots that they had us filled. That's the, that's the stat I saw. It might be wrong, whatever anybody deems a shot. But it felt like all their chances came within a sort of 25-minute window, either side of half time. We seemed to concede a lot of opportunities there. I think the, the guy, Karoma, um, the, the central defenders weren't handling Edwards, goes in to try and help them out, misses it, it lands to him. He has so much time and puts it wide. There's a free header where Gibson and Scar don't pick the guy up. Um, I think the goal, um, I, I just watched it back just to to get my understanding of it. Um, you know, Gibson seemed, Gibson looked great, by the way. Gibson looked a real footballer. There's a lot of leadership. He was very vocal. Um, he had a lot of good moments, but, you know, he's obviously getting to know his teammates. Like him and Randall were, were at fault for the goal. That's, you know, that's not to be negative. That's just how I see it. He doesn't really pick it up. Randall tries to hoover up, but um, doesn't really put much strength in there. The other guy wanted it more. Uh, lucky deflection and they score. So um, 
picking up on the finer details. It's there's stuff to do, but we're gonna we, look. We're gonna we're gonna make mistakes in a game, and we're gonna concede chances because we're uh, we're definitely more focused on what we create uh, as a team. I feel, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you're quite right. Tom. Look, they definitely how does it feel? I mean, Warnock said in his post match they should they should have scored more. Undoubtedly, they've got to take them, haven't they? Chris, over to you. Yeah, so they had three or four in that spell. So yeah, I completely agree, and that's where again, if you watch. One of the benefits of watching more of the other games as well. Um, now we're in this division, it's easier to, certainly in the US. And even the you see the other teams warming up a bit, that you know, Leeds were lucky today and other things, but the quality of their strikers is obviously relatively high. Like they they are scoring what the Leeds equaliser today I was looking about thinking, well, like there is a there is a certain level of but if that type of striker was playing yesterday, yeah, different different outcome. Yeah, I'll we discuss that last week. There's five or six that are, you just got to catch them on an off day, right? Yeah. Now I'd like to pick up on something Tom said about those those familiar periods, and it was really interesting because I had a feeling. So I feel like we concede here quite a lot. <laughs> I feel like we score in certain periods quite a lot, and um, we do at least based on last season to the extent that 19% of our conceded goals came in between the uh, 40th minute and the 50th, which is quite a chunk, isn't it? Uh, I mean, that's... Uh, and 20% is... You're looking at nearly a quarter of our goals coming just before and after half-time. And it happened again yesterday. It was sloppy. It was it was a really poor goal to give away. On the flip side, to be positive, for our um, international view listeners... <laughs> The, the, we scored 29% of our goals in the last 20 minutes. And again, we did it yesterday. That was based on last season, just to be clear. But a third of all of last season's goals came in the last 20 minutes. And again, it happened yesterday. So it was really odd for me that it was almost like last season encapsulated in one game in terms of at least the scoring flow or the patterns of scoring. I don't know if anyone else uh, picked up on that. I was trying to work out if that's that fascinating a stat, by the way, about the last 20 minutes, a third. I don't, I don't know if that's particularly different to football as a whole. But then look, uh, we're, we're a good side at the moment and good teams do that. The game yesterday was quite verbatim of all the of the majority of the 23 games last year. It was tight, could have gone either way. Um, there's there's a bit of me that thinks that we were lucky and we've been, but and we were because, you know, Mumba doesn't score there or one of those other chances goes in, something very different happens. But um, it's not a fluke that we you know, we're able to change these games. It's happened. That's, you know, win 21 out of 24. I kind of forget anything before uh, the start of last season. Um, but it, that keeps happening. So it's not, um, that's not, that's, I'm confident that's not fluke. I, I mean, you know, it, 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 I don't think you can guarantee what's going to happen or, or we're, and we're, we're probably going to come up one day where that doesn't pan out for us, but um, come up short, sorry. But yeah, look, we're able to change games. We've got good players. Um, I'm like Chris, I've seen, you know, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, who seem to have come down with absolutely uh, Premier League ready squads, which is terrifying. And Huddersfield certainly aren't that. So I'm I'm mindful that um, we've got to wait and see how we do against those kind of clubs before we decide what we're doing overall. But we're, look, we're definitely better than one championship side, at least, that I've seen. We only have to be better than two more. Um, I'd be ambitious and think that we could do a bit better. Um, but that's a real lottery anywhere between, uh, you know, fifth, sixth and 21st. 
as far as I'm concerned. Another thing that keeps on springing up between us all is that this talk about game changers. And yesterday was obviously the return of Morgan Whitaker, at least a professional in a competitive game, rather. I mean, he, two goal contributions. It just, it just it reminded us, or reminded me at least, what a huge player he is. How many times in that loan spell did he do that? Just turn a game, whether it's an assist, a goal out of nothing. And yesterday, I mean, I watched it back and he tracked back and he intercepted it just inside our own half, carried it forward and thread, you know, eye of the needle kind of stuff through to Hardy. A fantastic goal and he's huge. He's, he's, he's good, Is Morgan. He's good, isn't he? Well, you can even hear Charlie Price first half when he, he was hobbling around a bit. And you could, you could hear the nervousness. It's like, I think it looks like when, when the commentator's celebrating that he's been kicked, not pulled something, you know how important he's going to be to us. Like, there was that sense of this, this guy is what the team is going to be built around. Other people will have good games, but that he, yeah, can change games, but also can control games within the games he's changing. He's not just a bit part player. He's influential for the whole 90 minutes. You know, there's a bit of that pocket where we didn't look that great, but pretty much anything good came through him yesterday. Absolutely. And he threaded it to, through to uh, Hardy. He got his 50th uh, Argyle goal. And he's a funny one, isn't he? He divides opinion. I was hearing on in the ground, he was getting all sorts of moans and groans. And online, people weren't sure. Mark, maybe I'll come to you. What, what, what was your feeling of his... Of his of his performance yesterday, well, it's good to see him finally get his fiftieth golf. You know, credit it was a decent finish. It's killed the game off. Um, he's going to be a real asset in this division with his speed. Yeah, hopefully he can take. You know, take the simple chances. Yeah, the meat and drink. For a striker, which he did, which he didn't do a lot of last season. Only nine goals in open play, which is good, but not great. But that's, and he needs to be better. Yeah, this season. that's done and dusted. Let's let's concentrate on what I'd like to see. Well, more, yeah, but more. we need to, we need to see a we need to see a progression from him. Is my point? Uh, yeah, and, and that, yesterday he did all we could ask. That Absolutely. will that will come. He needs competition for his place, like he had more competition last season with Ennis and Ben Wayne after the. But we need more competition because he can get stale and don't get too comfortable in in your spot. He needs competition. All those strikers need competition. We need to get somebody. I also think his his natural position. You know, Simon was joking about another striker in the way. His natural position is an impact sub. Like the longer these games start going on, the more that pace is going to matter. I still remember a cup game years ago where he came on and scored an incredible goal. Like there's something about his. Like how the, it's it's not just speed; it's how quick he is off the mark. I'll rewind to the Devon Derby in October. You know, last season he came on and scored two. Oh, You'll be don't go further back than that. Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea in the FA Cup, and which wasn't you know a Chelsea. I'm going to play the kids' FA Cup team. It was their first team, and he came on at a point where they dominated from pretty much where we scored and gave them a problem and gave them a problem right to the 120th minute. Um, I, I I do hear this stuff with. A lot of critique about Ryan Hardy. Let's not forget 50 goals for our club. Not many people have scored 50 goals for Plymouth Argyle. Lots of people have tried and failed. Um, he does what he does. He was great yesterday. He pressed 
you know, n- n- not too much to do because he knew he had to do a lot of running, but he made sure he closed everything down. He did everything that was after him. He scored the one real chance he was given. Um, I think he'll be okay because, interesting you say, Archie, nine goals open play last year is that bit disappointing. The year before, he was probably better, and that was because our team wasn't as good. We were counter-attacking a little bit more. We're going to be doing that this year. He's going to get lots of threaded passes from, uh, you know, whether it's Whitaker, Callum Wright, Azaz, Butcher, whoever. We're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of high lines, and he will beat those high lines. I've got a lot of faith in him, but I do come back to what Mark is saying: is I think if he was to pull a hammy or you know pull up injured or anything, but we've got a real problem with it. You mentioned Callum Wright there, but again, he's. It was a weird game yesterday. Watching it, but he had a really good game apart from the, every time he tried to do something, the last thing went a little bit wrong. So all it takes for him to get that last bit a little bit right, he'd either try and beat an extra player, the ball was slightly off, but. It's kind of busyness. It's one of those things that I think when he warms up, they, they are still playing their first game of the season. More of those will come off. I've got a good feeling for him. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It was a bit rusty, but that's totally to be expected. But there, are, there were a few counterattacks which broke down. They were, all kind of, they were all kind of almost on top of each other at a few moments. I'm thinking him, even Morgan, I think at times, they're playing a new formation and he's playing much deeper. And like Tom says, we can't quite place on a finger on it right now. Um... Yeah, I'm not concerned. I'm not saying that's not. I know that's not what you said, Chris. But uh, it's it's fa- it's a fascinating one to see how he grows into that role because that's a real shift. Because he had quite he had the freedom of that number two, number ten uh, spots last season. And I imagine this new role is going to have a lot more discipline. Sure, he's dropped some one liners in here about how we're going to be us. We're going to be ourselves. We're going to express. We're going to try and attack. We're not going to sit back. So I look at that. You know, the idea that. Um, we're not going to play sort of two similar-ish midfielders box to box. Like although Houghton is clearly not, you know, it's not box to box. Whereas where Randall and Butcher are, you know, um, Wright and I assume Azaz are going to occupy one of those number eight roles. Definitely going to be more advanced than Randall, and Randall's going to be ahead of Houghton or whoever. Um, so I'm excited by that. Uh, he he looked good in spells yesterday. Callum, I'm, I, I rewatched the highlights just to remind myself. And some of the good stuff did start from him. Uh, the chance that 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 Morgan took off of Ryan's foot, Callum started that. He created some of the attacks once we'd got the goals. Um, nice turns. He can turn on a sixpence, that boy. Um, so weirdly, I'm kind of thinking here, okay, I attribute Callum's better parts of the game to when we were doing better. So, you know, arguably somebody might point out that he's a bit more influential than I was giving credit for. That's a good point. Because you, you saw that. All I remember is like two, maybe three, where he almost tackled himself. Like he had a couple of, you know what I mean? Like he was sort of beat somebody and you were like, it's his own legs that are getting in the way. But sort of summarises the philosophy, doesn't it? Like have a go, try and beat that man. And then when you watch it back, you realise how much of an influence he had. I still think he could be a really important player for us. Oh, uh, undoubtedly, yeah. Sticking with that midfield, and we'll move on soon, but there's been so much to get our teeth into with this game yesterday. Um, Jordan Houghton, I think he was one of the players, possibly with Joe Edwards as well, that people had slight doubts about making that jump up. I've had rave reviews regarding yesterday's performance, at least. I mean, Tom, you were, you couldn't get enough of him. You were yeah, saying, yeah, I was... I think as the game went on, Jordan did begin to tire and there was a couple of misplaced passes, which I felt sorry for him because he. I think he possibly had his best game in an Argyle shirt yesterday. Um, 
I'll have to go back. You know, when he was playing maybe lesser opposition, he's maybe had more joy, but I, he was certainly really impressive yesterday. Um, and maybe KKH, you know, I would say carried that on into a minute 100 or whatever it was, um, which probably edged him as another match for me. Um, but yeah, Jordan was great. I'm, again, I'm not sure. He could have not signed his contract and I don't think anybody would have cried too much. That's not a dig Jordan, but I just think he was more than one of the obvious candidates where if he didn't want to stay, we would try and upgrade that position. But um, there's always a bit of me. I think Jordan's, he was at Chelsea. He knows how to play football. Um, there's a bit of me that hopes that Jordan actually, you know, uh, improves uh, some more and can actually go up the divisions with us, which obviously there's only one more division to go into. It's a big ask, but he did really, really well yesterday. Interesting what we were just saying there about Callum Wright and, and Randall, I felt he perhaps had more work to do. He had more touches to make. He had more balls to win. So um, he he did well and he was more involved. You know, other games he does the stuff where it's very, very subtle. And, you know, it's kind of where he passes and how he pulls the his teammates into shape around him. Um, but he was very immersed yesterday. Uh, he was great. I don't know how that came across on TV. I mean, he's one of Shuey's so-called, you know, Leaders on the pitch, managers, coaches on the pitch. Shuey's, you know, gone to the, talk to Plymouth Live about it. How he sees Jordan, uh, Jordan Anderson, <laughs> Jordan Helton, as as his kind of eyes and ears on the pitch, and that's really interesting. And I think he has a far bigger role than, well, at least I, I take take, take for granted. Well, it's an interesting Freudian slip. I don't think it's just the first name there that makes you think of that. Like one of those players that for years, yeah, yeah, they they don't have those spectacular moments, but they do very little wrong. And I think his to your point, Todd, apart from when he was tired, was the archetypal do the simple things well yesterday. And it is harder to see. It's harder to see remotely because I think you get more of a sense when you're at the ground that someone is just doing the simple things. But left with a very similar impression. Yeah, Shuey was a. You know, a solid midfielder, League One, League Two. So he obviously fancies Jordan Outen as a player, and you know he's, he's like his lieutenant on the on the pitch. He did really well yesterday. I'd say look, we've got comp- competition for places in midfield. I mean, how I see it currently, if this is the shape that we're going to take, is that Callum and Finn are going to compete for that sort of advanced eight, and then Randall and Butcher competing for a role, and then maybe Warrington and and uh, Houghton, I guess. I mean, Jordan uh, Jordan would be very unlucky to be dropped. I mean, he might be rested in the week, but I'll be, he'd be very unlucky not playing against Watford unless there is a tactical reason for uh, doing something different. Um, yeah, really impressed, really impressed. Um, again, caveat, need to have the context of the quality of the opposition. Um, but, you know, he can do it. He's got it in the locker, Jordan. Whether he can do it consistently remains to be seen, but it's there's there's enough in the locker there. It's a really good start. I would say, you know, I'm kind of scoring that an 8 out of 10. It's a really good start. It's first of the season. People are going to be rusty. But it doesn't get much more positive than that, really, does it? Is it as fun if we win every game 5-0? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Even even last year, you know, 101 points, it was it was nail-biting right to the end because of the competition we faced. You know, the, the, do you know what was good yesterday? I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the ride. And there was some jeopardy similar to what we saw last season. And, you know, for the last year and the year before that, we made blistering starts and all the way through the season, I was a little bit anxious of, oh, I don't want this to go to waste. You know, a little bit peak end theory and that we start where well, it doesn't really matter where you finish. But to think that we didn't get promoted last season 
so it was it was almost from a point of fear there was there was some there was some enjoyable jeopardy yesterday um and look we came out on top we came we came out on top so it's easy for me to say now if we'd lost i'd probably be saying something different but it was a it was a fun ride yeah actually to break break the bulk i asked tom a question live <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to propose to you. I was going to say, if it's play with our mate, carry on. Was it? Um, it sounded loud. Like did they just have the volume up on Argyle TV? Like it sounded. Like sometimes last season, I think when you're in that performance and you're winning every week, you get a kind of huff, polite applause. But there was it sounded a bit like the old championship mood in the ground as well. Like whether that just came across because it was noisy. The speakers, but like sort of witty chants, it never really stopped. It felt that positive. Was that it is, isn't it? I think that when the players always come out and say the fans are amazing, they remember the big moments. Um, and you know, certainly last season and a part of yesterday, we were great. The start's always great, we always start great. Which and 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 our goal, the team starts has a, has a 15 definitely a 15 minute let's go out and get them kind of policy strategy that always seems to be the case so whether you can correlate the two or not i'm not sure there was a lull there was some anxiety um you know if if the crowd were to be scored perfect you'd want them to be behind the team trying to uh help them in their in their weakest moments but you could feel the anxiety the goal changed everything it was party for the rest of the um rest of the game um I'm, i'm always conscious when i'm watching the game like i was saying earlier whether i really uh, I'm getting better when I really appreciate it all. And I talk, spoke to a couple of friends after the game um, who 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 go to Argo, not perhaps not big bigger bigger fan as I am, um, and their assessment was both in the crowd and in the team. I liked this point by the way that there was almost a sense of imposter syndrome when Huddersfield got a little bit of uh, their their fingernails into us. Um, and we need to get over that because we're great. We like Mark said in the last one, we're League One champions, 101 points. Yeah, we're a really good team. The teams come up, three teams come up every year, and we're we're a really good one. Um, so we need the fans and the players to believe that. There were times yesterday where I'm not convinced they did, and probably not until you know we realise, oh goodness, Barley can do this and we can run at them, and they're not that good actually. And it completely changed, and we were not under threat really at any point after that. And I thought it was a really, I'm not. I'm not saying I agree with that, but it was a really interesting observation. And the more I think about it, I'm coming around to it even more. I don't know what you guys think about that. I think, I think it's an excellent point. Just the, the, the concept of don't overthink that it's going to be difficult is very powerful, I think. Like, take each game on its merits. And again, even the other ones where, you know, some of those squads were looking very strong. Leeds only managed a point in the last minute. Southampton broke some bizarre record for the amount of passes in the first half. You know, we've got 100 million quid's worth of talent. But still, one two one. Like, if we can go into every game expecting to do well, that, I think that'll help. A massive, yeah, massive test next home game against Southampton and that imposter syndrome. We can't afford to give them too much respect. Yeah, we got to play, play our football and... Uh, that's the sort of game where Southampton at home, we've got nothing to lose, you know, and by that time, a couple of weeks time, they'll probably have lost four or five players anyway. So they'll be a completely different beast and we'll be top of the league after we beat Watford. Okay. I think at that point we'll take a wee break, but I think it's safe to say a good start. 
Okay, welcome back to part two. And amusingly, we've now, or half the panel have got their hats on. So no prizes for guessing what we're going to talk about now. Last week was the fans forum, the now viral fans forum. And amongst the hat drama, there was actually some really interesting nuggets of information, which I think we'd like to touch on now briefly before we move on to Watford. I mean, I'll kick things off. I think the money spent on durable assets, aka having one of the most expensive coaching setups in League One last season, I had no idea. Whenever I think of budgets, I think of spending £1 million on a Morgan Whitaker. I never think of having the most expensive non-playing staff in the league. Absolutely, yeah. It's... Yeah, that took me by surprise, I must admit. Yeah. I uh, really enjoyed the uh, fans forum. I watched it again. Um, in most interesting for me though was the Argyle Green thing, and where we're where we're going to go as a club. That I think we're really we need extra investment, and we are we must be a really viable prospect for investment. Yeah, it's just a matter of time and finding finding those right people. That was the point that I took from uh, Thursday was that, you know, they didn't really buy into the Argyle vibe or the Argyle way of doing things. And Simon, um, you know, bought them out. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where, where our next development comes from where the next investors come from that's really what i that's what i'm interested in to see the next part of the journey is well yeah i think you've touched on it just there it's that next part of the journey and i, I don't have any doubts whatsoever but I, in this the last summer just gone it felt like an end of the chapter we'd reached that five-year plan you know we'd done it so a part of me was always thinking now what what happens now you know, and Simon Hall has always been incredibly honest. Is that I can take you to this point, but that point kind of being a sustainable championship club, that's come up kind of my limit, which is completely fine. And I have no qualms about that. However, what was fascinating for me that the first time ever he talked about going beyond that, not just him personally, but as a club. And they didn't go into great detail. They said they're discussing it in the moment, and you know, things will be revealed soon. But that new kind of slightly more ambitious five-year plan is coming out, not just surviving in the championship, but going that bit further. Yeah, Tom. I, I enjoyed the your point about, I, you, no, come back to the point about the coaching. So I kind of thought it might have been just looking at the size of our bench against Avengers, the philosophy of the club, and that it does think a bit smarter. But, um, we're not going to have the biggest budget, are we? That's not something we can control. That's largely driven by the income that we generate. And, you know, we were, what? ninth tenth maybe in league one or something like that um and most clubs just it's a rat race to the playing budget isn't it? and i'll go well, we're not going to do that so i'm going to put it towards the coaching staff and use um coaching better than than anyone's doing um what what can i see the fruits of that so far well our two million pound players clearly do better under our, under our coach than their respective coaches so there's this idea, isn't there, that we're doing something well because a player that, you know, a million pounds Norwich and Swansea wanted for those players, they're worth way more than that to us. Way more than that. And the 
what's the what what what's causing that? Well, it's I, I'm not going to go what the thing is causing it, but it's the coaching team, isn't it? This current coaching team is causing it's not fluke. Um, so that's a brilliant case study in how being smarter has elevated us. I think we can still do that. I think the the plan of being sustainable championship club is going to be a difficult one because they did talk about how sort of your wage budget generally dictates where you finish, maybe not on an individual season, but over a, over a period. Um, so there's some work to do to get that wage budget up, but, but to, for, for the here and now, um, and we always liken ourselves to like, you know, have a, pe- have a quid for every time somebody said, Oh, let's be like Brighton or like Brentford or like Bournemouth. And it's because they do, you know, they're they're, they're smart, aren't they? And then, and you know, Chelsea tried to buy, you know, not content with buying all Brighton's players, they want to buy all their staff. Yeah. Um, and like that's the commodity. I think that'll become the commodity of football. <laughs> players will still be a big part of it, but it'll it'll definitely shift where the people work out that the staff are more important when the um, when all the ownership groups become less sort of emotionally involved. And of course, this summer we brought in. Chris Kavanagh, so our coaching setup has only got stronger, and rightly so. We're now at a higher level. Yeah, I thought that was a fantastic insight and something, to be honest, I'd overlooked. And like I said at the top, when I think budgets, I think, like any other simple football fan, I guess, I think Morgan Whitaker, Bali Mumba. I don't think signing Chris Kavanagh from City to extend our coaching team. But yeah, yeah. Exciting times. I, I went away from that, apart from amused and baffled at times. I went away from watching that fans forum, genuinely excited from what's to come. Really, really excited. Chris, any thoughts on that? This new, soon-to-be-released uh, new just, plan? Just that if we're not careful, we all become the guy with, with the hat. But there was 90 minutes of content, most of which was great. And it's very easy to focus on an unusual question that was quite well dealt with. Like, it's Callum Wright syndrome. He had a good game yesterday. I just remember him tackling himself. Like, PNS Plymouth is the answer. And actually, be respectful. Because there's a part of me, I think someone on the panel hinted at it, I think it was Andrew a couple of times, that you have a democratic forum. That's what matters to those people. They, they should have the opportunity to ask a stupid question and get an answer for those people. Like, why not? Like, the fact that it was broadcast live, you'd edit that, right? In another world, you'd edit that out. That was the whole thing, shown live. So for me, it underlined the kind of commitment to transparency, the commitment to actually having fan involvement. And it was amazing. Like, I've watched the last few minutes of it about three or four times, and people outside of Plymouth have said, have you seen it? And there's a part of me who's like, I'm kind of... I'd like to think I'm laughing with him, not laughing at him, the guy who asked that question. It was a bit weird, but in his mind, he's like, I've, I've caught you out here a bit. Fair play to him. Fair play to him. That's an interesting way to put it. I mean, I thought it was a really, it was clearly not a good representation of us as a fan base, because I think to lead with with a negative, you should simply let's Plymouth. Maybe there is something in that, mate. Maybe, maybe we need to, we need to champion who we are a little bit, but it was... Um, I appreciate the spirit of that, but I think the end product to, to outsiders looking in it was it was embarrassing. It made us look tin pot, and but none, none of the easy, club yeah. officials look tin pot. No, but it's very easy to have questions that are phoned in, planted questions in the audience, an articulate conversation that takes something away from the transparency. You've got to let 
in that world, you need, if you want, you're going to stop stupid questions, you're not being open. But what does it, what does it make, what does it make the fans that, what does it make the fans that have been reposting and memeing and gifting and whatever else, this bloke for the last 72 hours or whatever it's been, a bit more than that now, what does that make them? You know what I mean? Like I said, I genuinely believe, and I might be wrong. I might maybe I'm overthinking it. I really think there was some, there was essentially exclusive bits of information dropped in there quite casually, and it wasn't billed as you know, sit yourselves down, guys. I'm about to announce something big here. You know, somehow it just kind of dropped it in quite casually. There's stuff about the new plan, about the uh, budget for the coaching staff, and various other things. It was incredible, a really great insight. But yet no one's no one's talking about it. We're all just hammering this bloke. Who asked? Yeah, a really daft question. But it was it wasn't the, the the bit about you know there being you know um, you know the kids are missing out and stuff because there's demand for seats and Sky have taken my seat because they've parked their uh, camera there and where where am I going to get my pasties from? I mean, it was if it was scripted, if this was a sitcom, it couldn't have been written any better. It was it was. It was joyously farcical. I do buy what Chris says. Actually, the, the the commitment to transparency has kind of conflicted with the PR a little bit. Um, uh, it was um, it wasn't a good show in that sense. There were there were a lot of daft questions. Um, I remember uh, hearing Neil Jusnip say that he wants Plymouth uh, Argyle fans to not be content with sort of mediocrity and surviving, and he talked about that a little bit. And he said the plans not to survive. But he must have come away scratching his head where, you know, think I've broken the transfer record twice. We're playing great football league, 101 points last year. You can't get a ticket for love the money because the football's that good. But, uh, you know, John from Mile House wants his £1.50 back. I mean, um, it's funny, really. <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> in, in a way, but also alarming. Yeah. All right. Well, from talking about five-year plans, we'll talk about our seven-day one and how we think we're going to fare against Leighton Orient and Watford after we break. Okay, so we're back at home park on Tuesday against Leighton Orient in the Cup. Mark, I'll come to you first. How are your feelings about this going up a league? I think, to me, Cup competitions, certainly the Carabao Cup, it doesn't seem as important. What are your feelings on that? Oh, it's a good chance to give some minutes to the fringe players. Callum Burton coming and go. Pleggy play. Um, I want us to see us to win and win well and boost confidence. Yeah, we need we we should be getting to the you know third and fourth round of this Carabao Cup. You know, traditionally we've had a you know awful record in this competition, and that needs to change. Um, remember playing late in Orient, we were two 0 up away, I think it was, and we lost three two. And we if we'd have won, we would have played Spurs. Yeah, I think it was during COVID times. Everything was, yeah, I was going to say, that was a, lockdown a little bit different, yeah. but it would have been a nice little earner for the club. So, you know, this is what you you want to be winning these games on Tuesday so that you can get the big the big boys at home in the next in the latter stages. Well, even like the Tim Pot Pizza Cup, looking at it purely financially, it earned us a nice wee packet, didn't it? So, yeah, you make a good point. And I think it being at home, it's a gift. It really is a gift. If we were having to go up to London on a Tuesday night, it would be a bit, we might be looking at it a bit differently. But having it at home, obviously no travel. You can put in Pleggy, 
possibly Burton rotate a bit, keep people fresh. Maybe you're right, Mark. Maybe there is a lot of. I expect to see a lot of rotation. We've got no pizza. If we go out of this competition, yeah, we've got no, and we've got no reserve football. Interesting, that came up in the fans forum. That that doesn't. Um, that's no minutes for. I'm thinking Saxon early, Ben Wayne. Yeah, players who we've bought, we haven't seen a lot of, and they're not going to. They're not going to get many more minutes to show us what they can do. Um, unless we really need to, and that the kind of injury crisis that would permit them playing lots of minutes, I don't want to see. So um, I hope we do well. I hope those guys get minutes. Um, yeah, a couple of wins, a couple of home games, trip to a Premier League club. Could be really good. I mean, I don't want to waste... I, I'm, I'm happy to rotate the, the squad. I don't, want to, I don't want somebody getting injured. I don't want Ryan Hardy playing on Tuesday and getting injured. Um, but, uh, you know, I want the guys to to give it their all and try and win, you know, um, or else they're not going to be playing many minutes this season, some of them. Yeah, I mean, Ryan, you're, that's a really good point. Ryan Hardy can't play, can he? If he gets injured against Leighton Orient, I mean, we'd be in real trouble, wouldn't we? So, um, yeah, Ben Wayne, that's a good point. He made a brief cameo appearance on the weekend. It would be a great opportunity for him to play. Apart from that, not, we haven't got a huge squad at the moment, do we? We haven't got a huge squad, and there's a few injuries. Poor old Mikel Miller. Saxon early, though, I was surprised to see on the bench. I thought that it was more serious, but he was on the bench, of course. I'm actually a big fan of him. I'd really like to see him get some playing time. But yeah, let's hope, hopefully we can use it to our advantage. And more importantly, our first away day of the season is coming up. Oh, hang on, hang on. We can't move on from the Carabao Cup. So I spent 12 days in England a month ago it's, you can't buy that thing anywhere it must be the most over marketed unavailable product on the planet seriously try and find a can of it it's impossible like they should spend more money on putting caribou on shelves and what even is it an energy drink so what that is, is my it? final say on the matter some kind of it's some kind of green gunge i don't know i think so Okay, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for that, Chris. I'll keep an eye out for it and, and, and let you know. I'm in Sweden currently, so you never. If I find a Swedish carabo, I'll um, send it over. Uh, yeah, so our first away game of the season, potentially quite a tough one. I mean, Watford have had a huge clear out in the summer, and on the weekend, absolutely destroyed QPR, who could be joining Huddersfield, in my opinion, in that relegation fight. But potentially a tough, a tough away day. Chris, we'll stick with you. Carabao's the Carabao Hunter. Um, yeah, what are your feelings on that? Watford away? Well, I think it depends which one turns up. Like they've had no stability for what five, six years. Ever bad afternoon, they sack the manager. They had a good day, but to your point, who knows how good QPR are? Um, I think it's just interesting as part of this kind of patchwork of understanding what we're up against because I put them in the, the top half but also you know they're not in the kind of Leeds Southampton bracket so interested to see how we set up um, I do think if we can keep them tight it would fit well for the fitter team hardy score in late type environment very different to a home game but honestly I've got no idea we, we could we could win three little I think it's a bit of a free hit guys isn't it I mean we've got our points on the belt we need to nobody expect us to win division if we want to get as lofty as six like Mark's saying we need to get about one and a half points a game 
So we've got three. Free hit. Play with no fear. We've got good players that can win us the game. We've got a good defense that can, you know, that are that have uh, that are playing a system that they've had some practice at in the off season. Um, we won a lot of games away. Yeah, everybody thought it was our home record last year, but we know how to play away from home. We've got a manager who knows what to do. He'll have researched the team. He spoke on British media after the game, and they said, "What's your plan going to be?" And he said, uh, "You know, we're just going to be ourselves." But um, I well believe that that that's not true. I think he could say that to throw people off. I'm I'm really excited. Look what the what the win against Huddersfield has done. It's made this an absolute free hit, and that's better for us. Us playing with freedom and without fear is a lot better. Yeah, I still. Remember 1984 FA Cup semi-final at Villa Park. That was the first time I cried at a football game. So there's payback due. Um, we also lost a FA Cup quarter-final against Watford when Ben Foster decided to have a decent game for a change. And yeah, so that's. We need to be beating sides like Watford if we're going to finish sixth. Let's put it that way. I, I would like to pick up on something Tom said. I think you make a good point, Tom, regarding, I wouldn't say Huddersfield was a must win, but it took off a load of pressure that would have been ramped on to this Watford game had we have lost. So apart from the obvious, it's good to get three points, I think, from the perspective of pressure and releasing that pressure on the team. Huddersfield was huge. And hopefully we can go go to Watford with a fairly kind of yeah I, I hate to say free hit it's a competitive game of football in the in the championship but I I do get what you're saying we we get underestimated they might not underestimate us but I mean lots of people are um, we're really we know they're good we're not going to go there think it's easy and they might think that it's going to be a hard game and and I'm not talking about what they say publicly I'm talking about what they really think. Um, and they could be in for a surprise. And like I say, if they want to play a high line and Ryan Hardy's going to get through balls, anything like Morgan gave him in the 70th minute of the game, we're going to have some chances. Um, I'm really optimistic about it. That said, I'm I'm relaxed about it. What did we do last year? Was it win-lose, win-lose first couple of games while we found our feet? Yeah. Yeah. So um, even if we lose, guys, not that I want to lose. I want to be ambitious, but... You know, what I'll be just be thinking about going, great, okay, we've learned some lessons. We go at home to Southampton, they'll have seen us lose, think it's going to be easy, and we're very good at turning that stuff around. Um, yeah, look, we, we spent a bit of time at the beginning of the pod talking about some of the things that weren't so great, even though we won the game, but that's over now. We've won the game. Um, yes, the three points, but what a, what a, what a blue sky that's given us for the next couple of games, yeah. Well, look, before we wrap things up, we're going to have a wee quiz, as we always do, he says on the second episode. And obviously, we've been talking about... I think Tom just took a big slug of caribou energy drink. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what's he's, coming. He's... He knows what's coming. He's amping himself up. He's got all of them stacked in his basement. Right. Make sure your Wi-Fi's okay, because we're out to, to jump in to a game of Spiel, which is all about the opening day of the season. A game, or day rather, which has been actually really tricky for Argyle in recent in recent years. And that was highlighted with a run of um, 12 years with 10 away days and seven defeats. So historically, it's been awful, to be honest. Apart from kind of Ryan Lowe onwards, where we've done quite well, the opening day of the season hasn't been great. 
So that is the theme for today's quiz. All I'll ask you to do is name the fixture of the last 23 opening <laughs> days of the season. That's all, is it? That's all. For example, Argyle versus Huddersfield, home 2023. That would be your answer. Now, this may start to feel like Mission Impossible. However, as any Argyle fan will know, the last 23 years, or 33 even, that's how far we're going back, sorry, 33 years to 1990, a lot's happened. So that would be my tip. Use that as your kind of guiding compass, the promotions of the admin. And I think that'll help you on your way. Is there any is there any questions before we kick things off? Are you are you having a laugh? <laughs> I, 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 I'd have had a fifty percent again, like fifty percent chance to get another field right. That was yesterday. I, I think we might we I, might be able to get five or six between us. That's all right. Sometimes it's going to be a, yeah. an epic, epic Lord of the Rings length saga, and sometimes it'll be short and sweet. Let's see how we get on. So, just to be clear, all you need to do is name the fixture of any of the last 33, not 23, last 33 opening day fixtures. Think of the highs and lows. I'm telling you, it will come to you. Okay. I think Archie likes editing. I think Archie, you like editing, don't you? So the listeners are going to hear this now in about two or three minutes, but this is going to take us about an hour. So, and short and snappy. We're going to start off with Chris in any order you like. Reading away 2005. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Mark, on to you. All right. Shrewsbury away. Pletcher. Admin. Nonsense. When Derek was with us, we got battered by Luton on the first day of the season. I think it was 3-0. I forget the year. 16 or 17. We might have gone up that year. The year is crucial. Uh, okay, I'm going to... Oh, come on, Archie. 20, 2017. Oh, 2017 season. What does that mean? 16-17. So it'd be t- the yeah. year would be 2016, I suppose. Yes, there you go. I'll put that yellow card back in my pocket. By the way, Mark got admin for the year, by the way, for which is exactly what I would Apologies, yeah. Apologies, Mark, that's a we- half yellow. Chris... I'm sure we started the season away to Southampton once and I think we were in the championship because I remember saying there's no way that team will go down and we got relegated. 2014? Do you want to phone a friend? No, it was a bit earlier than that. It was uh, Peter Reid. 13, 12, 11, 10. Yes, say 11 if I was betting on it. I'd go with I'd go with uh, twenty. That's twenty eleven season. That was the year we got relegated. So it'd have been twenty ten. That phone a friend worked out well for you, Chris. Twenty ten. But you're right, Southampton. Possibly I'm going to rescind the year upon reflection. <laughs> I think I've set you up for well, the challenge. I'm being, being completely impossible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see I the can complaints coming in all week. So well, that's just from us. We'll just settle for the. We'll just settle, we'll just settle for the fixture. But yeah, Southampton one 0 win away. Luke Summerfield goal. Mark Barnsley last year. Finners as Stormer. There we go. That was two thousand and twenty. What twenty two? Last year, Mark. Yeah, last year. <laughs> Tom uh, Blackpool was the year before that. 
uh, or it might be the year before that. It might have been the COVID year, Blackpool. It was. I didn't go. 2020, Blackpool. Yeah, Luke Jethko. Hang on. 20, 2021 Rotherham. Yes. Did we lose to Rotherham first? Yes, Chris, you are flying. Rob Flames. You are. You are yeah, it's incredible. You're quite right. We get opening day defeat away at the New Lost York Stadium. 2 0. And, uh, and Ryan Lowe left a few months later. Mark, we're back to you again. Huddersfield, 2023. I'm glad you got the year right on that one. Tom. Are we, are we allowing that? That's a shit house answer, that is. I said I said all 23. Oh, 33. Uh, we beat Crew uh, 3-0, Ryan Lowe's first game. Fantastic. All this moaning and you guys are storming. I think the, ga- the, the, gas is, the gas is running out, Archie. It's the wrong, wrong time to be ballsy. It's, it's all good. You've, got, you've gone further than I thought. Chris. Championship. Cheltenham. That's all I'm going to do now is be able to just randomly list. All right. I'm going to help you guys out. You haven't had anything from the Starrock era? Championship early days. Come on. You were going back to 1990, weren't you? Right. I've got one for you. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but we must have played Sofend away. We played. We've played Southend many yeah. a time, so actually. There's, it was in yeah. the 1990s. Yeah. Well, you've actually two birds, one stone there. We lost um, in 2013 to them away. Um, yeah, but also also in the 90s as well. You're quite right. In 99, in fact. Um, so, yeah. Is that, even a, is that even two points for Mark? I'm trying to think Showing if up. we... Uh... The Sturrock era, the Sturr- both Sturrock promotions definitely started with defeat, didn't they? The first one, when I, which I went to, we had one stand and surrounded by a load of rubble. Um, and we lost, I think we lost the first two games, so I don't know which order I'm going to get this. But a risky yellow card, I'm going to go Rochdale in the year 2001. 2001. Was yellow card in, away, I think the other one was... An away loss to Shrewsbury. But you're you're not far off. There was a lot of underwhelming starts in that era. That was a one nil away. Was it away? I'm sure it was at home. I'll take your word for it. If if I'm wrong, I'll send you over a twelve pack of Carabao. Well, Warner <laughs> lost. Uh, sorry, Chris. It, it, all right, uh, Chris is next. Sorry, I, I was wanting to butt in. Chris, go for it. Oh. I'm sure he'll let you have your, your go. Dag, Dagenham. Uh, yeah, home away. <laughs> no, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Is that a yes? Yes. Well, now you're not giving me the year. I've got a lot of scrolling to do. Um, to, to 2009. <laughs> the height of the championship. That, home to Dagenham that, Bridge on the first day. <laughs> that's a yellow. That's a yellow mark. <laughs> Well, Warnock lost five in a row to start the season, and I, I was def, definitely at the um, the home game, but I don't think it was the first game of the season, unfortunately. But anyway, I'm going to say Brentford anyway. We, lo- we lost at home to Brentford in 94-5-1. Yeah, we scored first. Peter Swan scored. Yeah. Yeah, despite oh, hating Warnock. 
all downhill from there. I mean, you guys are getting a lot of assistance, but this has got legs. We're doing well. I can remember the nil-nil with Millwall. It was their first game after the FA Cup final. I was sat in Zoo Corner near Millwall fans. Bloody horrible. Dennis Wise came off the bench. They uh, were a bit leggy because they attempted a European campaign for coming runners-up in the FA Cup, and we were smack right in the middle of it, and I think they went out. And it was a rubbish day. That's a great day. I think I might actually know one. Chris? I went on holiday. I wrote a blog about it. We, we opened the season at Crawley. Say yes, otherwise I'm dreaming. Oh, no? Chris, you've gone so confident. <laughs> we haven't uh, oh. you got You've got about 30 seconds to redeem yourself. Mark? I'm struggling there, I must admit. Um, I was expecting Chris to talk for a bit longer, being so confident. (laughs) I've got one, I've got one. A ground that I know Mark, Chris and I have all been to. Uh, No, that's not true, actually, but it's the ground of of the team. We won at Wimbledon. Yeah, Derek Adams, his first game in charge. Um, What's his name? The winger, Greg Wilde. Greg Wilde. Kerry. Yeah, so I'm, gonna, that's, I'm going to give that to Tom. So Chris, you'll be thrilled that we're back, back round to you. Right, <laughs> right in a way, Bobby Williamson, Terebo West. Ooh, <laughs> you, you're, you're close. It was, it was quite near the start of the season. Yeah, you're right. Because I think, I think Bobby didn't he get sacked after that? Am I dreaming? Was that worst game of football I've ever seen? Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, again, you're wrong, but you're close. You're close. I think that's September time. <laughs> August, September. Is, uh, are we saying that's is that closer than Dagenham Redbridge in the Championship? It's closer. Yeah. Listener, this is a one-off. Next week's will be a well-oiled machine, Mark. With answerable questions, mate. I'm going to say Colchester because we were at their level for many, many. So, must be a Colchester there somewhere. Nicely done. Colchester away, 95. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Yeah, we, we lost at Mansfield. Was it 4-3 or something? The big score. Um, you hit the nail see. on the head. Away, away at Mansfield. 2002 yeah. yeah we tracked with them a little bit until we got to the championship for sure I'm struggling now though guys I'm going to say Bury because that's you know we were also in the mix with Bury wouldn't surprise me 33 there's no Bury there's no on my list okay yellow card I'll regroup <laughs> right I'm going to say one more each because you're all looking Lost and despaired. One more each, and we're starting off with Chris. Coventry. Yeah, no. decade, league. What? Yes. I, I haven't said that. I, uh, no, there's no, there's no Coventry on my list, oh Chris. So you've gone out with a with a real bang, Mark. Chesterfield. <laughs> it's another red. Or Chester City. 
Another Tom. red card against Chesterfield. Goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to end this on a high because I remember going to the game. Um, and it was Wolves. And we played them at home. I was really struggling for championship first days, actually. But we drew two. We played two... twice. Yeah. Oh, did we? Did we? I can remember the 2-2 draw. Um, I think Paul Ince might have been player manager. 2006 and 2008, both at home, 1106, 2-2-08. Oh, my memory of them is merged them into one, maybe. But uh, yeah. we didn't do we didn't do well, as bad there as I thought. And you all did much better than I thought. It wasn't quite the cohesive, free-flowing football I thought we'd have, but it was slight pre-season vibes to it. It was hard, I admit it, but I think we did better than we thought. Um all right, we well and truly really will leave it there now. Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss Leighton Orient and Watford and hopefully another really positive week for Argyle. Tom, Chris, Mark, thank you ever so much for joining me. Go have a lie down now after that quiz and I'll see you all next week. And there we have it, a bumper episode, that one. Thank you ever so much for listening. And a quick apology. Uh, I butchered Peter Kavanagh's names. Peter, not Chris. So apologies for that one. But thank you ever so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, And we look forward to being back in your ears this time next week. Until then, have a fantastic week.